the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 49 for April 17th, 2006. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun. And Hi, Dave. How are you? We like to keep the intro unpredictable. We do like to keep the intro unpredictable. It could be me or Dave or a child or you just never know. Yeah, we always so, seem to say the same thing in the intro, but that's, uh, I guess that's just the way it goes, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, you know, let, let's let's get right to the geek. Let's get right to the geek. Let me... Uh, well, let me... we'll do the gab later. All right. There you go. So, uh, this tonight's show got? is going to be... Basically a hodgepodge show. We've got a bunch of uh, listener feedback from you folks about various topics that we've been discussing lately. We've got a couple of ongoing conversations, some new things to introduce. Uh, And the first is going to be Scott asking about swap files. Mm -hmm. Hello, I was just listening to your podcast regarding swap files. And you guys didn't really explain it a whole lot, but you mentioned that you had four on your laptop and you said that was way too many. I have seven on mine and I a, I don't know what they're for. Uh, B, I don't know how to get rid of them or if it's possible to get rid of them. And the thing that brought this about was, for some reason, my laptop, I've got a G3 iBook, old school. Um, and I've noticed lately that I've been losing hard drive space, and I don't have any programs running that I can figure out. I can't find out where the space is going. Um, but every time I turn it on, it goes from 3 gigabytes to 2.5 gigabytes to 1.8 gigabytes, and like I said, I, I don't have programs running. It's not backup that I can tell, and I cannot narrow down where this space is going from. So I'm wondering if you guys can give me any help since you seem to know just about everything. <laughs> All right, thanks, um, and I hope to hear your question, or you can email. Oh, we won't email you. We'll just answer the question here. And plus, we don't want to share your email address with the countless thousands out there uh, because we can answer the question. So uh, you want to answer the question, John? No. Okay. Well, well, you know, no, I, I was just, <laughs> I was thinking, um, I mean, it sounds to me like there's just a, a boatload of swap files. Now, the thing I, I'm not sure about, and I was trying to research, um, from what I've seen, a reboot takes care of that nasty swap file problem. Correct. And that they all go away, but what, what I'm scratching my head over, and I wasn't able to come up with an answer immediately, is can you get rid of them while you're running? I, my Ooh. instinct tells me that's probably a not, not a great idea. No, I wouldn't do that. The, the OS X uses uh, virtual memory, and we've talked about this in depth in the past, and, and we'll, we'll sort of gloss over it here. But the idea is that the OS saves certain bits of data out to the, the, your hard drive when it needs to make more room in RAM for whatever applications you're running. And in theory, and, and this is a, a very oversimplification of the, of the whole process, but essentially it takes stuff that's in RAM that it doesn't need, saves it out to the disk, and frees up RAM to load in stuff that it does need. The programs have no idea that this is happening necessarily. It's, it's all managed by the operating system. So if you were to go and delete a swap file, you might, well, you're definitely deleting something that the operating system is expecting to see. And honestly, I can't imagine that would even let you delete it. But if you could, it would probably crater everything uh, in a nutshell. So no, you don't want to delete them, but try keeping uh, either getting more RAM, but I think you might have the maximum there, Scott, 
for your particular machine. So if you can't get more RAM, try to uh, actually ignore David Pogue's advice, which was to <sighs> never quit anything. OS 10 great. And actually quit things that you're not using. Let OS 10 sort of, uh, you know, purge itself. And it will. If, if, if your swap files blowed up and you quit things and leave it long enough, OS 10 will purge things down and, and sort of recompact. <laughs> Uh, and you can see that from our favorite menu, menu meters <laughs> or a number of other utilities. Actually, one I like that's a, a, a widget is, uh, where is it? iStat Nano. Really? Yeah, it's a little little widget, but it also shows wired, inactive, active, used, swap, free, all that fun stuff. Okay. okay. That's a nice I, uh, widget. I, we'll, uh, we'll link to that. Yeah, I'd never heard of that. I'd never heard of that at all. Um, and I'd actually, I'll take this this uh, moment to to jump onto two quick little tangents. John mentioned that we would link to that, which of course we will in the show notes. Uh, for those of you that may not be aware, we also have an enhanced feed for this show, meaning that the show is actually converted from its MP3 format that you might normally be getting it in into Apple's AAC format. And if you're listening on an uh, iTunes enabled computer or on an iPod. Well, I guess the iPod links wouldn't matter. But on the iTunes-enabled computer, you actually get the links right at the moment that we say things. And Michael does a fantastic job of, of doing that. Happy birthday, Michael. Uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, thank you, Michael. So uh, if, if, you're in, if you're the type of person that's listening at your computer, you may really appreciate the AAC feed. So go ahead and check that out. Oh, but you know, you said it, it won't do much good on your iPod. That's yeah. until they come out with the Wi-Fi wireless enabled uh, iPod where you just click on the link in the, the which is embedded in the AAC file. Yeah, you got to give me your test version. You got to get me your test version of that back. I, I want to play oh, with it. I wasn't supposed to <laughs> talk about. No, I'm just No, I, I'm we don't, we don't just have one for wild folks. speculation. Yeah. It sounds like something maybe someday. Though actually, yeah, probably not with the current one. Because, no. you know, all the surfing stuff, a little tangent, but, you know, like the phones and stuff like that. Ooh, you want to watch, you know, full motion video on a itty bitty screen. I yeah. don't. Do you? I do, actually. I, I don't. Really? Mind. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, okay. It, depending on the situation. Yeah, I don't. You don't want to watch Lord yeah. of the Rings for the full cinematic experience. No. But but to watch an episode of Weeds or something on the airplane, it's great. So, mm. Okay. Which is another great show. Great concept. Um, What's next? It, back to the swap file. Actually, very quickly. We've been talking about, uh, obviously, boot camp with, with the whole Windows thing. Windows creates a swap file that is the size of the amount of RAM that you have. So if you yeah. go and create, if, you, if you're a boot camp fo- uh, type of person and you create a 5 gig partition on your MacBook Pro, say, and your MacBook Pro happens to have 2 gigs of RAM, instantly Windows will take up about uh, 1.5 gigs, I think, and then your swap file will actually take up a whole another two gigs of RAM. You can you can adjust wow. that, yeah, which which kind of stinks. Uh, and you may not need that much of a swap file, so you can actually go in and adjust the size of your swap file in Windows. Um, and the easiest way to do it is to right click on my computer, go to properties, go to advanced, and click on virtual memory, and you can do it there. So that's the uh, that's all we're going to say about that. Yeah, I think they use that file for Hibernate, this weird thing I've never seen on the Mac. Well, they'll do that too, yeah. But, but I mean, they'll also use it for just the page file for, for mm. swap. Yeah, page file.sys. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a monstrous file on the root drive of your or the root All that space just gets chomped. Just gets yeah, chomped. I got, my new, I got my new notebook at work. Oh, yeah? 
Inspiron, yeah, we got to do a couple things. Inspiron, 9400, 17-inch screen. Very nice for a Windows machine. They're going to come get you, you know. The listeners. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, looking at the list here, getting back to things, we will jump to... Uh, well, actually, let's go back to something we talked about when we were going through the MacBook Pro and we noticed, or with the boot camp, rather, we noticed that they... Uh, repartition or the resize utility really seemed to kind of rock uh, for for lack of a more specific term. And I, I said I would yeah. be happy to buy it if I could because it would be great to be able to non-destructively resize your volumes. Well, as it turns out, I already bought it. It's included in 10.4.6. The command line version of disk utility has been updated. And sure enough, you can do... Uh, and just about anything you want to with it, uh, within within reason, and and that includes non-destructively resizing your volume. You got to do it from the command line. You need to make sure you're typing things right. But there was an article over on MacGeekery.com where they talked about exactly how to do this. So that's where I saw it. Yep, I had that wild speculation that this time was somewhat accurate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, every now and then. Yeah, so... Uh, I don't know about the last one I had, but... Well, you know, you can't be right all the time, can you? But yeah, non-destructive, so that's... That's, that's sweet. Yeah, you pay good money for that on the on the Windows side, and you just get it free with your Mac now, man. It's, you know, it's good stuff. And I can, I can only imagine that the next version of of uh, Disk Utility will will tap into this, or or actually anyone could write a uh, a GUI interface for this. Uh, you'd want to really trust that particular shareware author before you ran it, but, uh, uh-huh. you know, but they could. I mean, if it's just, you know, all they're doing is tapping into the command line. Not that difficult uh, to do. My position is still partitioning makes me nervous unless it's really necessary. Absolutely. Like if you're, like if you're you know, putting two OSs. But even in that case, what I do, uh, the Mac is still uh, pretty good handling booting from external drives yep. and uh, not really getting too upset if the hardware it's booting from is uh, different. At least that's been my experience between the uh, PowerBooks and the Power Mac. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. I, some things like the wireless, it may be like, oh, it's not here. Has, has it's not anyone... going to grind to a halt or blue screen or something like that, which... Uh, right. Well, it will if you're running Windows. It'll, yeah. It'll happily blue screen running Windows. It's been my experience. But... Yeah. Um, I... Uh, it, does anyone know? Is it possible to run Boot Camp from a separate drive? From a is it possible to run Windows from a FireWire partition? Can you do that? Huh. I would assume so. Yeah, I would too. But I mean, I I, I well, don't no, know. Well, no, no, no. Boot Camp would have to be on the no. You know, I, I would think Boot Camp would have to be on your primary machine. But I'm sure your but I think your Windows partition could be on an external drive. Right. Right. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. I don't yeah. know. I, I I don't know. Did, do you know? Camp on an external. I no. I I meant them. We, we know. Oh them. Yeah. Those people. <laughs> one people of them. One of them. At Let's, least one of them. I mean, must. had I actually or has tried it, had I hit the record button, there would be people listening. But of course, I haven't. Mm-hmm. So we need to start over. <laughs> hey, so everybody, uh, everybody, send in uh, their birthday wishes because one of us is having a birthday on Sunday, and it. I'll tell yeah. you, it's it's not me. <laughs> But I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name any names here or anything. Mm-hmm. But one of us is having a birthday on Sunday, and near as I remember, it's a fairly big one. I think it's uh, no, think no. It, no, it's not, huh? <laughs> Inconsequential. Inconsequential. That's right. 
Moving on. Moving right along. Actually, you know, speaking of birthdays, it's actually, I also want to say happy birthday to uh, to Jeff Steblin, the guy that co-wrote the theme song that you hear at the beginning and end of the show. Today is his birthday, April 17th. So happy birthday, Jeff. Hope this message finds you well. Oh, and it's another special day. It's Patriots Day. Yeah, so some states get an extra day to uh, send in their taxes. Yeah, that's right. You actually get an extra day to send in your taxes, don't you, John? I do. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, can anybody sending to Andover, Massachusetts actually gets an extra I don't. day? No, so. we send to uh, Tennessee, Kansas, or Monta- Kansas City, Montana, oddly enough. Uh, you're sending there if you're getting if money, money back or if no. you if you owe, owe money. money okay yeah. if you owe money you have to and you're in connecticut you had to file today if you're getting mm-hmm. money back then you're filing to andover mass and you have until tomorrow uh-huh yeah thanks guys that makes it easy <laughs> yeah. yeah i only owed a little bit but that's the way i want it is it i don't want them to owe me all that money come on interest-free no, right. loan yeah that's right and it's already in bad enough shape oh no <laughs> Can't talk about can't. can't talk about that big old deficit, <laughs> right? For national debt, probably that's not. for the other podcasts. That's for a different podcast. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them out there. There are a lot of them out there. All right, all right. We had a we we've actually had a lot of discussion about cable and DSL, and we're not going to rehash a whole lot of that. Uh, I do want to thank Ray's Ice, of course, for uh, participating in our interview last uh, last yeah. show. Uh, but we excellent. Did it. Yeah, we did have a question about uh, VOIP, and I'm going to find it here. Uh, let's see, Ron writes in and says, I want to ask a question that's inter- indirectly related to this topic of cable and DSL. I recently switched to a voice over IP service. He's using AT&T Call Vantage, but this would apply to you folks running Vonage and all that as well. The service is good, sound quality is certainly adequate, and the price is most excellent. The downside is that the terminal adapter... Uh, the device that makes all this magic happen essentially plugs your internet connection into a phone jack. Uh, connected between the cable modem and my airport base station is a bandwidth hog. I've done speed tests with the TA installed and removed. My bandwidth is reduced almost in half with the telephone adapter installed. Is there anything I can do to re- reduce the amount of bandwidth consumed by the TA? And uh, being a Vonage user uh, on this end, I definitely have the answer here. It, there's actually two things going on. One, the solution is to plug your airport base station directly into the cable modem and then plug the terminal adapter into the uh, airport base station. The airport base station should be smart enough to route the traffic the right way and, uh, and get you your, your, your data. The issue here is actually not that the terminal adapter is chewing up your bandwidth or using it in any way. In fact, it doesn't use it unless you are talking on the phone and even then it doesn't use a whole lot what's going on is something called qos quality of service and it seems like all these routers these you know homebrew routers are not homebrew but but consumer grade routers either the the telephone adapters that you get from vonage or at&t call vantage or even the linksys router that you buy at the store to you know manage your network and all that stuff they do have feet a feature in there called quality of service where you get to decide how much bandwidth to uh, or uh different services get different priorities so if you're talking on the phone that can get a very high priority over say ftp downloads or web browsing or sending mail or whatever so that your phone conversation isn't chopped up because you know you're trying to download the latest version of you know macobserver.com or whatever 
Yeah. Un- unfortunately, and I've, I've run into this problem on my Linksys router here. Most of these, you know, quote unquote cheap routers, the, le- the less the less expensive ones, the QoS when you once you turn it on, your bandwidth, you, you it won't let you go to the max of your bandwidth. I I um I'm running a firmware on my Linksys router here from a company called Sviasoft, which lets you sort of manage a whole different set of of options. And in turning on quality of service, I noticed that instantly my bandwidth dropped from a max of eight megabits down to like six megabits down. And it wasn't that it was using it. It was just trying too darn hard to manage everything and couldn't give me enough uh, bandwidth down. So that's most likely what's going on with your AT&T call vantage. So if you're any sort of VOIP, put your router first and then connect your, uh, your telephone adapter to the router. Make sense, John? Yes. Oh, thank quality, you. Quality of service. Quality of service, yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that. I was also thinking if the <clears throat> device was low speed, like yeah. a 10 megabit thing, you don't want that. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It probably, I mean, most of that stuff probably isn't 10 megabit, but, uh, yeah, you know. But some stuff's cheap. But some stuff's cheap. There you go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, probably if you have, you know, like a, I got the Linksys uh, WRT54G, a big favorite with a yep. lot of our uh, listeners. And that has a light with 100. Uh, That's right. It doesn't have gigabit because it's not gigabit, but. Right. Are you wired for gig? You're wired for gig, right? In the house? Yes. No, I'm not. But you've got one of those switches know. there that you could bring me and then I could be wired for oh, gig. Yeah, I should bring that. Bring yeah, it up. Kind John, of pretty. John's actually coming to visit us here in. Uh, in the backwoods of Durham, New Hampshire, uh, in a couple of weeks. So we'll, we'll do a podcast local. Yeah. Yeah. I got to take the horse from the uh, train station, though, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. All yeah, right. Okay. Uh, let's see. So we went through that. Uh, it will stay on this cable and DSL topic. We had asked... Uh, you folks to write in if you had something different than cable or DSL. And a couple of you wrote in, uh, Tim from, I believe Florida. Yeah. No, in, uh, in, in Hawaii actually has service from, uh, a company called Clearwire at clearwire.com. And it's actually wireless broadband service. So you, uh, you get, uh, I'm presuming based on what the, the research that I did, and there's a couple of these that are scattered throughout the, the country. Most of the time, it's microwave-based. So you have to have a clear line of sight to their uh, adapter or to their uh, point of presence, either at their shop or at some repeater along the way. And you essentially put a microwave antenna on your house and aim it out. And uh, you can get, you know, a couple megabits a second, uh, at, at usually at best, and, and, you know, certainly better than dial-up speeds uh, for folks out in the... Uh, in the boonies, you know, like like me here, uh, you can you can. Oh, wait, though Hawaii is totally separate boonies. It is separate boonies. The installation yes. guy's not going to drive out. You don't think he's going to come here? I got. That's I think I can get clear like line of sight to Hawaii. Right? The, the Earth is. We just we decided the Earth's flat. Right? <laughs> this whole round thing. You know that that was just sort textbook. of a, a funny story. Right. Wow, so this is like a little satellite. Yeah, it's satellite service. So your your upstream is probably or no 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 not satellite. Like? No, it's microwave. You're, you're going to another point of presence on the planet. Not so. I, no, I I couldn't see uh-huh. Maui from here. Yeah, it's microwave based. All right. 
Yeah. You don't want to get in the way of it. You know, it'll it'll cook your oh, I brain. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Microwaves uh, cook food. And and brains. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Isn't that what we use to uh, to cook brains here? Uh, no. No. Okay. So, yeah. No, a, a buddy of mine in Texas actually has it and works great. He likes the uh, the microwave stuff. All right. Where are we going from here? You want to take a, uh, you want to talk about that raid question that came in? This is an interesting question that you, uh, that you liked. So, uh, Zgat wrote, and I'm not sure what this means, but anyway, I think I've read that OS 10 can make a raid mirrored array out of two firewire drives. Is this correct? Do you think this is a reasonable strategy for data reliability? This would hold backup copies of my photos, music, documents, etc. It wouldn't be my working disk. The situation here is, at home, I have a laptop or a mini, i.e. no internal disks, and hardware RAID arrays are expensive. What do you think, John? Um, well, yeah, I think I think it give it a whirl. And that, that that's a good thing that they include. I'm not sure if they include this in the Windows Disk Utility, do they? I'm not sure. No. But uh, if you go into uh, Disk Utility inside your utilities folder and you click on some of the drives in the upper left, you'll see that you have a RAID choice. Now I'm looking here, volume format. Okay, there's a lot of things here. And then the RAID types. Now this is where I'm going to be a little fuzzy right here. Now it does I'll do the mirrored. Yep, that's RAID 1, I believe, is mirrored, right? Now if I recall that, that's just spreading. Let me see. Or is that is that including uh, data? What do you mean? Is that duplicating data? I'm trying to remember the RAID level. RAID RAID 1, if I'm not mistaken, is mirrored. Uh, Let's see. RAID level 1, I'm looking. Yes, is mirrored and duplexed. So you have uh, every every drive contains all of the data. So you have duplicate copies of your data 100% of the time. Good Good redundancy. However, if you delete a file, it's over. It, it, it's deleted from both places at exactly the same time. So if you have a RAID array, and a, a RAID 1 array mirrored, and one of the drives dies, you can simply plug the other drive in and you're good to go. Of course, you're not backed up. You're not uh, fault tolerant okay, anymore. Okay, gotcha. All right, yeah. so I see these are a bit reversed. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, now I'm here. RAID 1 mirror creates right. it on two separate disks. But yeah, as, you, as you're pointing out, it's a... Uh, not a data. Well, it's a uh, yeah data integrity. So it's in two places at once. Correct. Now we have the other choice here. So we got the mirrored rate set. Then we got the striped rate set. Yep. And that splits data. I believe that's so raid three. If I'm not, uh, if I'm not right, mistaken. Well, I see zero here is striped. Let's look here. No three. Three has a parity disk. Correct. So you're right. That's that right. Three is the error correction, but. If you're talking yeah. striped, it seems striped is just RAID 0. Striped is RAID 0. And, and what striped means uh, is that you've got your data spread out over multiple disks. So essentially what RAID 0 means is, let's say you, you want to have one volume that has, you know, two terabytes of data on it. But you can't find a two terabyte hard disk. You could buy four 500 gig hard disks and RAID 0 them or stripe them together and... When the when you were done, you would have one volume that your Mac would see, and but really it would be spread across these these four drives. The problem with that is if one of the drives dies, all your data is, if not impossible, difficult to get to. So Oops. yeah, so that's yeah. that's why I, I always kind of default to RAID three if you're going to do 
striping because what raid three does it adds you need one more disc than you than you would so you need five discs for that particular uh setup but one of those discs is what they call a parody disc like john says and if i'm and correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that parody disc allows you to if one of the drives dies you can take that out and 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 by saying you have a parody disc they actually all share parody uh, so if any one of the drives dies, you pull it out, replace it with another, and magically the data on that drive will be rebuilt from the parity data on the remaining four drives or what, however many you have. Right? Isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. So it seems that the disk utility does not support that. So it supports okay. yeah. mirrored and striped, and then I see they have something called a concatenated set, but they say it's not a true RAID type. So... Hmm. The Apple utility well, it must has be just a couple like of Apple's own version of striping or something, perhaps. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound that way. At least reading the help. Oh, which really? Oh, every okay. now and then the help is is interesting. Okay, but right. uh, actually, we're wondering from uh from our listeners, uh, what do you use for uh? I mean, there has to be something that does rate three or above. So, uh, what do you use? Yeah, that's right. I don't know of any. Prosoft. What are Prosoft? I bet Pro, I bet Prosoft has something. Stuff. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm they sure they almost do. everything. Yeah. So, RAID is kind of neat because, especially if you have a lot of, like, you know, and you, you, you know, most of us collect these over the years. We have all these little dinky little drives. As long as they're good, why not, you know, load them up in a case and then uh, stitch them all into uh, one bigger drive, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're or, not spending <laughs> spending more on the the cases than you are on just buying a you know monster drive and that's new and warranted and all that good mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. So you hear that thing about um, Dell and Alienware? Huh. Hmm. Are we going to talk about it, or are we just going to linger it out there and move on to something uh, yeah, else? Just kind of linger it. Okay. <laughs> no, I just thought it was interesting that Dell, who is kind of yawn, um, is trying to get Alienware. Who? Uh, that's a, where you were oh. talking about fancy cases that I was thinking oh, yeah. about the Alienware. Yeah. So that's where that tangent came from, because I have seen a couple of those machines, and, and they, they look like... Oh, they look cool. Something a Mac person would would probably enjoy. Yeah, well, Actually, I saw it, one. It had a built-in camera and you know a ton of ports. It was it was loud and and uh, kind of heavy, but you know I'm okay with that. All right, portable desktop. Yeah. Where else are we going? She, I I don't know. <laughs> we can go back to the list. Should we do that? What's on the list? Uh, Simon actually wrote in. And asked, oh, I, gotta, I see my response here. I need to get to his question. He says, uh, hi, guys. I download video content for my fifth generation iPod using BitTorrent. We're going to uh, assume that this is BitTorrent. This is content that you're allowed to download. But if it's not, well, yes, because BitTorrent is neither good nor evil. It's no, it is a technology. It's nothing tech- more. That's right. It has been really slow. In fact, it's not working at all at the moment. I think it's due to my tinkering. I've heard some people talk about port forwarding for ADSL or cable to get your BitTorrents to download faster. Just wondering if you could explain how it works and how to set it up maybe on one of your shows. How about on this show? We can do it now. It fits into our whole cable discussion. Uh, It's absolutely doable. First, to understand what's going on, BitTorrent is a distributed system, right, John? And what, what happens is there are often many people that have the entire version of whatever it is you want to download. And then other people will be in various stages of the download. Just because you have 50% of the download complete doesn't mean you have the first 50%. 
In fact, it almost certainly means you don't. You've got 50% of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And you can share the pieces you already have with other folks that don't have what you have. So it, it's this whole distributed thing. And you may download the last thing first and then something in the middle and then something at the beginning and fill in the gaps. And some other guy might have, you know, the, the first uh, third and, and, you know, the, the last third, but needs something in the middle. And you've got that, even though you don't have the whole thing. So you can share that with him. Yeah. And of course, all of that's managed so, magically, right? So what's great is that it encourages you to share. Remember kindergarten? <laughs> you know, remember some of the basic rules that you that's should, right. you know, carry with you throughout life. One is it's good to share. It's good to share. And so BitTorrent enforces that. It does, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. No, you're, you're right. It enforces it because if you're not sharing, it, you, when you connect to a peer, another, per, another person that's got data that you need, your client tells them, okay, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm so-and-so and I've, I have downloaded this much and I've uploaded this much. And it sees if you've uploaded stuff, it'll actually send to you at a faster rate because it knows if it sends it to you, you'll send it to someone else and that distributes the load. If it sees that you're not uploading anything, then it will share with you at a trickle because... Also known known as leaching. leaching. Right. <laughs> so uh, the idea is... So you want to do this. If you're, if you're using BitTorrent, you definitely want to share. And there's actually... Uh, I saw a thing today, and I don't have the, the link in front of me, but there was actually something that lets you download podcasts with BitTorrent and integrate them with iTunes, which is something a lot of people have been clamoring for. Oh, How, nice. Yeah. However, uh, back to the, the, the matter at hand, a lot of times your firewall or, or your router isn't mm-hmm. smart enough to, to, uh, to make BitTorrent work because people are just going to come and try to connect to you at random. And if your router doesn't know that you want to be connected to, it's just going to ignore the requests. Mm-hmm. So BitTorrent is running on, by default, BitTorrent is looking for connections to come in on ports 6881 through 6889. And you need to do this one of two ways. If you're using an airport base station, you can only do it one way. And you have to use something called port forwarding, meaning you need to go into your base station admin utility and tell it forward any requests from port 6881 to 6889 into your computer. And to do that, then you need to assign your computer a static IP or just be certain that you know what your computer's IP is going to be when these people are coming to try and get your stuff. Another cool, uh, an alternate cool way of doing it that airport uh, base stations don't support, but Linksys uh, base stations do, is called port triggering. And what port triggering does is it tells your router when a computer on my local network makes an outgoing connection on a specific port, then know that anything coming in on these other ports should be uh, sent to that particular computer. So that way, if you've got five Macs and you run BitTorrent on different computers at different times it can really work to your advantage because you don't need to go reconfigure your router each time. And that's port triggering. The cool thing is with port triggering is uh, that 6881 is the trigger port. Actually, 6881 through 6889 are your trigger ports and they're also your forward ports. So you just go in and set up port triggering that way. Uh, Linksys makes it really easy. And of course, you can get all of this information at, I think it's what, portforwarding.com. Isn't that right? Isn't that the place... Mm. And the place where you just basically tell it what you want to do, you tell it what router you have, and magically the instructions appear. Right? I think yeah. that was something now that what, Duffy, what Duffy sent to us. Yeah. What port do you forward? use for uh, your uh, BitTorrent? 
client. I use tomato torrent. It's port forward, not port forwarding. Portforward.com mm-hmm. for those of you taking notes. Or, yeah, I use, or, I can't pronounce it. Azorius. Azorius or something? Azorius, yeah. yeah, something like that. Could be, yeah. And this lets you change that port, which is interesting. Yeah. The, uh, In the connection to, settings, tomato you torrent can make does it, too. Yeah. So you can make something like here, it's 55798 for whatever reason. I guess it's a nice high port. Yeah. And uh, as you were saying, yeah, in my Linksys, I have that map to the uh, the IP address that it hands out to this thing. That's right. Yeah. So when you share, others share back. It's yeah. a good thing. It's a good thing. So yeah, if it, like John was saying, you can you can depending on what client you're using. I think all of them actually support this. You can yeah. change those ports, the six eight eight one. And if you've got five machines and you want them all connected to BitTorrent at the same time, mm-hmm. then you need to pick different port ranges for each computer. Otherwise, your router's not going to know what to do. And then, yeah. and then you don't do port triggering. You do static port mapping and all of that geeky stuff. So, uh, what else do we have going on here? We got a couple of pieces of software that, uh, that I wanted to talk about, you know. You all right with that? No. Yeah, go. You sure? Actually, you there, was a, there was a really cool website, um, humanclock.com. Did you check that out, man? No. Oh, go to it. Seriously, go right now. What these people have done, and you can submit. In fact, when you're here, John, we're going to have to just get really geeky for a second. We'll put on those cool T-shirts that Rick sent to us, yeah. and uh, and we'll we'll make a picture of a certain time. And what humanclock.com has is for every minute of the day, it's got at least one and, and oftentimes ten different pictures of humans holding up the you know time. something that shows the time. And uh, and so you can kind of keep this little thing open on your desktop. And uh, I don't want to see these people. Well, maybe I. Do. Oh, oh wait. Okay. Yeah. You all right there? <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So that's Everybody human clock. Gets there fifteen minutes, right? Well, no, they get there one or minute. One. That's minute. right. It's one minute of fame every day, though. So in fifteen days in a row, now you've got your fifteen minutes, uh-huh. and then some. So. Yeah, I said my wife pointed this out to me. Well, actually, while she was working, so I'm not sure what that means because she she works for me, huh? Well, anyway, what's that? And I, I yeah, well, hey, yeah, she showed it to me, and now I used it on the show, and uh, and that's not a bad thing. So I guess that's that's okay. Blue coconut. Did you check out that app, John? Blue coconut. Yes, very wow. cool. You okay. Lot of time, yeah. Well, this thing is very cool. If uh, let's say you you know you got a couple of Macs in your house and you like to use iTunes library sharing, where you you know you, you can play the songs from you know your, the other Mac you have. But what it, what happens if you want to pull that song onto the Mac that you're sitting on and manipulate it? You know, maybe put it in a playlist and and maybe burn a CD or whatever. You own the song because it's on your other Mac. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to do this unless the RIA gets their way. Uh, but you can't because, you know, the RIA has kind of already gotten their way. So Blue Coconut will let you uh, it, it, let you do it. You install this software and then you've got like a little button that you hit and you say copy this tune to my library and bam, it does it. Great stuff. Just like it should. Hmm. So... You know, I'm going to have to hand in my resignation because uh, okay. I just got this email here. Yeah. You have won $27 million. Oh, 
Congratulations. It was From it Mega Games Promotion Prize Award Department. I'm, oh, it's, I'm it's, just so thrilled. It's not even oh. the son of the uh, the oh, wait, Egyptian prince, is it? It was sent to Mac Geek Gap, so I guess we got to share oh, we it. Both. So won. me and you are going to split it. Good night, folks. No. <laughs> but I I thought it would be really funny if they had 47 million dollars. If you remember that figure from a yeah. Ren and Stimpy cartoon. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. Yes, we're going to put a link to that. All right. Kids, check it out. So, la- sounds like the band's trying to get in. Oh, no, no, no. They're just grooving along there. It's fine. Yeah. I think they, I think they know what they're doing. Right? Yeah, they're just grooving along. Uh, one last thing. A couple of weeks ago, I wished for a way to individually tell Safari, I want to accept pop-ups from certain websites, but not others. And uh, and there's you know no way in Safari to do that. But there's a cool piece of software called Safari Stand from hitima.com and it will let you do all kinds of things one cool thing is actually a, a little sidebar that shows you it's like at the tab bar but it actually shows you little thumbnails of the web pages that, that your tabs are on and huh. and and then of course the other thing one of the other things that it lets you do is specifically allow various things from certain websites including pop-ups uh, as you as you wish another thing it'll do is it'll let you Set your user agent uh, for specific again for specific websites. So if you want to go to you know if you got to go somewhere and it says oh this only works with IE a lot of times just by having Safari say oh, no it's okay I am IE a lot of stuff will work not everything but a lot of stuff and so you can you, you can say look yes. any, anytime I've, I visit this URL just make it seem like I'm not Safari and, and it'll work fine my uh, my coworkers who listen to this will get a chuckle out of that but our internal intranet site if you go to it with safari and yeah. it says it's safari yeah it's totally screwed up if you enable the debug menu we'll put right. a link to that in safari and then you make it ie6 on windows yep it renders perfectly yeah and this thing will do that same thing for you <laughs> safari stand like, will do that it's a conspiracy yeah yeah so. oh it's mac i'm gonna screw it up yeah <laughs> uh, some I- evil it person somewhere and Just what wringing their hands yeah well you cackling know, gleefully okay I, I don't get it i don't know why that uh why why people do that but you know <laughs> silly developers and i want to send a a big thank you out to uh quite a few of you who wrote in with suggestions for uh comedy podcasts uh, i was ranting about that last week saying i had no way of finding these shows but uh daniel montopoli wins the prize he was the one that, that pointed out to me that Penn Gillette has a daily radio show, which is converted into a podcast. They actually strip all the radio ads out and put in an ad just for the podcast. So you get, you know, whatever it is, 40-something minutes of, of uh, Penn Gillette raving in, in lunacy there in his <laughs> studio. And it's great. It's a, that is exactly what I was looking for. I had no idea that it existed uh, I guess I would have found out about it from Amigo Fish because just yesterday, Dave Slusher uh, on his podcast or just the other day, he uh, he actually mentioned the same thing that, that he'd stumbled onto the show and loves it. So Amigo I, Fish? Amigo Fish. It's what we talked about last time. The, the, the cool way of finding podcasts. Did we talk? Didn't we? Did we not talk about it last time? I'm I pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned Amigo Fish. And it, it is have. if you. Maybe I didn't. Maybe, maybe I maybe I dreamt this. Okay, well, we'll take a second and talk about Amigo Fish. Uh, what it, it's amigofish.com. You can register it for free. It's uh, uh, actually written entirely by Dave Slusher, the the, uh, the gentleman who produces and records evilgeniuschronicles.org, uh, which is another great podcast, especially if you're into you know 
all the same stuff that we're all into. Uh, but Amigo Fish is the answer to, well, to anyone who doesn't have tens of thousands of listeners to query for what the best podcast is for them to listen to. So what you do is you go to Amigo Fish and you log in. And you rate different podcasts. You just start going through and saying, oh, yeah, I've listened to that one. I like it. I have one through five stars or nope, not interested in it at all. And once you've rated, it only takes like 15 or 20 ratings. It starts suggesting podcasts to you based on other people who rated some of the things that you've rated similarly and looking at their lists and saying, "Okay, yeah. So there's no top 10 list or anything like that out there because, frankly, top 10 doesn't matter. You got it? If you enjoyed this title, you right. may also enjoy uh, others who enjoyed this title exactly. also enjoyed the following. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the more Excellent. people that use it, and I think, I mean, he's got quite a few uh, listeners out there. Uh, well, I guess they are listeners. Subscribe. I mean, you know, many hundreds, if not thousands readers, of people. Readers, not readers. No, I think they're listeners. Huh? So uh, many, many hundreds, if not thousands of people have already contributed to this and uh, and you can take advantage of that and give something back. So it's that whole sharing theme. We've come oh, we've come full circle as I draw a circle on my desk here and whack my hand into the microphone. So <sighs> that's how it goes. Amigo yep. fish at amigofish.com. Right? It well, answers nice the question w- that Apple should be solving. Yeah. But um, hey. Um It's yeah. warm out, so the band's not freezing. No, the band's not freezing. Wow. There they are. <sighs> oh, yeah. All right. We got, a, we got a minute or two here. We still have Gmail invites. Boatload. Uh, we have... Uh, we like audio comments. Gosh, there was one other audio comment I wanted to play, but uh, but I didn't. So we'll do that next week. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Audio comments you can uh-huh. send to, of course, MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. 206-666-GEEK. And uh, you can, uh, which is 206-666-4335. You can Skype them into MacGeekGab. Or you can email us, of course, at MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. And you can also vote for us. Yes, that's right. Podcast Alley, iTunes, comments. That's right. The good, the bad, the ugly. We're talking about movies now? I was talking about comments. <laughs> oh, comments. Yes, some of them are ugly. But we don't want the bad or the ugly. Well, maybe the bad, but not the ugly. No, no probably not. <sighs> uh, our bandwidth and the, uh, the, the, the place from where you downloaded this podcast, of course, is graciously provided by Cashfly Hosting. If you thank want to sponsor... You, Cashfly. Yes, thank you very much, Cashfly. You make all of our listeners' lives so much better because you can download this stuff at top speed. And if you turn off that quality of service in your router, you'll actually get top speed. <laughs> we'll, we'll, the, 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 Circular reference. You got a later. What's that? Huh? We'll, tell you how to, we'll tell you how to uncap the bandwidth. Oh, no, no, no. We're no, not doing we that. Do that. No, 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 no. I don't know how to do that. Uh, if you want to sponsor this show, contact the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. Like John said, we appreciate iTunes comments and podcast alley votes. And I th- I'm sure we appreciate other stuff, too, but uh, I just don't have it on the list in front of me. We did miss that whole thing where we wanted to explain the show, so we'll do that next week, too. If and you're listening, it. you probably... If you're it. listening this far through, you don't need the, you don't need us to explain <laughs> the show to you. All right. Hey, man, happy birthday. 
Oh wait. Huh? Uh, you know, uh, happy Thank birthday you. to someone. We're <laughs> <laughs> mm. all getting old. Every day, every day. You're only as old as you feel. Oh, every minute. Don't get caught. Hmm.